Hey guys, and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep-dive conversations with young voices in the theater industry. I'm your host, Alexandra Piheko, and I'm joined today by Kristen Kelly. Kristen is the founder of Broadway Talks Back, which is a program that brings some of Broadway's biggest names to University of Virginia. And what's so amazing is that it's all done completely free of charge. And I know that Kristen works really hard to make sure that these sessions are truly accessible to everybody. And as I'm still very much at the beginning of my own creative journey, I really wanted to connect with Kristen, who is not only a delightful conversation partner, but has really leaned into her passion for the theater in order to shape this simple idea into an amazing initiative. And as you'll hear today, she's learned so much throughout this process. And lucky for us, she was sharing all of that with me when I spoke to her about a month ago. Now, fun fact, I'm actually meeting Kristen in London in a couple of weeks time, which I'm super excited about. And I have to mention that both of us are also big fans of a certain Broadway performer. So you'll hear us talk about him every now and then. But this is also one of the things that I love about having these conversations. No matter who I'm talking to, there's always this element of geeking out over a certain show and this wonderful community. And I've come to realize that there's just so much joy in being a theater geek, no matter who you are, where you are, or which theater community you might be a fan of. The conversation that you are about to hear left me feeling so inspired to create new stuff and also feeling creatively fulfilled. So I'm hoping you'll take away some of that inspiration as well. Be sure to follow Kristen on Instagram at happilykristen and follow Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with Kristen Kelly. If you could just tell us where you're from originally, where do you go to university and kind of what are you up to now because you're actually in Dublin. So I go to the University of Virginia, um, which is in Virginia in the United States on the East Coast, located in Charlottesville. But I am currently actually a finance major there in the McIntyre School of Commerce. Um, so I don't have any actual like theater degree or anything. I've just always done music on the side. Um, so that's kind of where the interest lies. But right now I am doing a study abroad at University College Dublin. And then I'll move back to New York for the summer where I'm interning at Morgan Stanley doing sales and trading. So I will be right on Broadway working in finance and then at night you know hopefully seeing some Broadway shows. I was gonna say are you feeling homesick like what's the situation now? I actually I thought I might be more homesick than I am but I've met some really great people here um, some other internationals as well as some really nice Irish people so it's been sort of easy to adjust especially after like being able to live and be in New York like kind of on my own last summer Mm -hmm. adjusting here especially when you're in a college environment where you know you know you're with all these other people it really hasn't been that hard okay well you are the founder of Broadway Talks Back could you just tell us kind of briefly about this project and when did you establish it how did it come about all that jazz yeah so I'm actually in a Broadway acapella group back at UVA um, called Who's in the Stairwell so I was music director for that group and uh, they did musical theater so I started I had never done theater in high school or anything. So I realized when I got to school, I had seen like Wicked and I liked that. And I liked Hamilton because who doesn't like Hamilton? And so I joined this group. A bunch of friends were like, let's just road trip to New York. Let's go. Let's go see some shows. Um, And I went and I saw Waitress and Henry Gottfried was on as Dr. Pometer. He was the understudy. 
And uh, I looked him up at intermission um, and sort of two things jumped out. One, he was in the whiff and poofs at Yale University. So he was an acapella kid as well. Um, So I instantly like loved that. And then also I noticed he like wasn't at the time he had like less than a thousand followers on Instagram. Like, you know, just like a very like small, like new kind of person on the scene, if you will. Um, And when we went to the stage door, it was freezing um, and, you know, a couple people came out, but Henry was one to come out because he doesn't, he didn't go on his pometer that much. And uh, we had a fantastic conversation, just like got more of his backstory, more of his background and realized he had so many cool and great things to say. Um, And I kind of had this idea in my head, like, okay, I'm lucky enough to be able to go to New York and, you know, chat with Henry and chat with other people about their lives and their stories and get to know them. But not everybody can get to New York. Not everybody can afford to. And so what if like we could kind of bring those stories to my school and UVA particularly has a very big like student self-governance, student project kind of culture where they're willing to sort of like give you some small funds to start things if if it has a benefit to the community. And so I reached out to him and asked him if he would like to maybe like Skype in or just do some sort of FaceTime call with, you know, my acapella group and then anybody else who kind of wanted to show up. And he said, yes. And, you know, I think it would be great if you asked some other people too. like, you could make this a whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to a bunch of like random, like ensemble understudies, like no, no major names per se. And then um, once I sort of got all these people on board, I reached out to Drew Galing and just randomly sent him a DM, like nothing fancy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he, I was, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be at the show. This was when I was seeing in August. And he was like, I actually almost went to UVA. Would you like, we can do an interview in my dressing room. Once kind of Drew, between Drew and Henry getting on board and kind of pushing, you know, saying like, we believe in the program. It seems really cool. We hosted like, like a digital, like virtual talk of people Skyping in and then having some pre-recorded interviews. Mandy Gonzalez answered some questions. And I think about 50 kids showed up to this like digital talk in September of 2017. And people loved it. The actors loved it. Uh, Overall, it was a very positive event. And then I realized, well, UVA had given me like $500 to buy pizza and cater the event and stuff. If I could just get like a thousand, maybe I could bring one of these people. Mm -hmm. So I got a little taste of success, reached out to Henry and he was like, if you get the money, like I'm coming. Absolutely. Applied to UVA, applied to every possible source I could find. And they spit back enough money to bring like four people. And it was just one of those things where we're not a particularly great drama school. We're not a particularly huge art school but we have so many people like myself who are interested in it and love to hear these types of things so it just the idea is just to get these people to come down have an open and honest question and answer session with students be very interactive and then usually they'll do a master class for a couple hours with a couple students who just audition through me it's very low pressure and very low key but these are things that you know, if you go to a Broadway, like summer program, it's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars. And I've been able to, you know, kind of offer that experience for free for people who go to UVA or, or the public, anybody's welcome to come. That's incredible. Just listening to you kind of lay it out and, and see how one thing led to another. That's just mind blowing. I think I, I, like it still blows my mind too. Like, I, I really don't know how this is all like, everything has fallen in line. And I think you know, I always, I always say to Henry, like, I always keep him posted and and tell him thank you. And he's always like, no, 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 like, you don't owe me that much credit or anything. Like, this is all you and 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 definitely like all the effort and stuff. But it takes one person to back you and say yes. And, you know, he was the person who threw his name behind it to make it legitimate. So I think a big part of getting that very first ball rolling was him just saying, you know what, 
you have been supportive of me, so I'm going to take a chance on you. But, you know, circling back to you kind of growing up and going to UVA and all of that, was theater always part of your world? Were musical theater recordings part of your growing up? Or was it a whole separate world before you came to UVA? Yeah, so it, I think, so the first Broadway show I ever got exposed to was Wicked. I went on like a school trip in seventh grade, so I was probably about like 12 years old, 13 years old. Uh, we went and saw Wicked and like, I was mind blown. I just, I loved the show. I loved the music, but that was like the only show that I knew. It was the only thing I'd seen. And it kind of like, not fell off the map for me, but I wasn't involved in theater in middle school or high school or anything. So it was just kind of one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I can appreciate this music on the side, but I'm not super into it. I guess it was junior year. I found Hamilton. I like, you know, everybody was talking about it. It's easy to come across it on the internet. And I listened to it. I fell in love with it. And that kind of was like the gateway. That was like, okay, you like Wicked. You love Hamilton. Like you, you like two shows. There must be other shows out there that you like. You're about to go to college. So if you have the opportunity to explore it, like do it. And if you don't, whatever. So then when I went to college, um, UVA is one of the biggest acapella culture schools. So we have like 17 groups right. at our school, which is huge. Um, one of them happened to be my group who's in the stairwell, which only does musical theater songs. It's very, very niche. There's only like two other groups in the whole United States that like do anything that we do. But I really think like theater really came about for me, like first semester of my first year at UVA. Um, but like looking back, it definitely had been in my life. And I just sort of like didn't give it a legitimate chance. Actually, talking about you growing up, like, how would you describe yourself growing up? Were you a risk taker? Mm. Were you, you know, kind of known to make the bold choice? Or did you always kind of just go with the flow? So I've always been like, it was always like studies first, for sure. So like very studious. So I guess probably other people were like, oh, she just follows the rules. Like she does like her best effort. Like, I, I think a lot of people said like, she puts her best effort to whatever she's working on. But, you know, all throughout pretty much like grade school and then high school, it, that was always just school um, and then playing viola. So like just just like a very like hardworking, very dedicated person. But I don't think I was ever like, oh, let's like break the mold or do something yeah. different because I didn't really see there wasn't particularly like an opportunity, especially like what I'm doing now. There's a huge financial component to it that, you know, only runs because of where I go to school. Yeah, I think I was just like very, very like dedicated and hardworking to what I put my mind to. But that was pretty much classical music or um, or school. What I've found actually with having a podcast and even going to university and um, I did a bit of fashion when I was in uni. I organized events as well. And similar to you, I got funding and like made these things right. happen. And what I realized is like when I stopped kind of apologizing slash asking for people's opinions that's when it actually like yes. starts to evolve. And that's when you like find your passion. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, but going back to UVA, like you, you mentioned you're now studying commerce, which, you know, is completely different from this world. So what inspired yes. this choice for you? So my dad always like, my, my, my parents are not in finance. They're not, they're not in business. Um, but my dad always just followed the markets. Like CNBC was kind of always on in the background. I'm doing finance specifically, which is great for like Wall Street, which is like what I'm hoping to do. But it gives you a really great foundation to kind of go and do anything from there. So it was sort of one of those things like I always know I've also had an artsy side and I've, I've also had a history side and stuff. So 
if I want to go and do this Wall Street thing and then try it for a couple of years and like I can go take it as a foundation to go work in the arts and have an amazing undergraduate business degree. So it was one of those things where I felt like it's not necessarily a definitive choice. It's a really good base for everything. And it also just works for what I want to do in the short term. I feel like it's so important especially these days, to go for a program that kind of encompasses as many aspects of a certain thing as possible. Because, you know, if you just go for something that's very kind of straight and narrow, like, essentially, you're going to end up with just a tiny thing that you can do and nothing else at all. Yeah. And I think, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people think whatever you do undergrad is, you know, going to pigeonhole you into something. But there's so many opportunities now at, at any school. It's not just what you're doing. It's about the transferable skills. So Absolutely. like, I think, you know, time management, that's key to anything and everything. And, and if you're able yes. to like, create a project and like manage that and make sure like, especially if you're working with people, like making sure that everyone does their bits and like keeping on top of things, like even that is a major skill that, you know, some employers arguably even value higher than, than what you are studying. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. And actually talking about that, like, what are some of the transferable skills that you would say you have picked up or learned, you know, through doing BTB? One of the first things is just being able to, like, reach out to these people and do it in a way of like, the com it's a very fine line of communication between like, I'm a big fan, and I'm 20. And I'm a student. And this is not a professional program. And also being like, here's how much money I can offer you. Here's, you know, how we would coordinate the program. Here's how you book your hotel and lodging. Here's the reimbursement. Like having to finally balance like what part of which side of me I'm showing at any given time, knowing when to say like, wow, I'm such a big fan of your work and I've been following you for five years versus being like, hey, I, you know, like I saw your show. You know, there's just like a fine line of like, how do I meld the, the business and the personal? And I think that I've learned that really well through this program. And also just being able to manage like the whole grant application process, then managing it with the UVA side of things, like sitting down in the finance office every couple of weeks and figuring out how we're dispersing our checks and what timeline we're getting those out. Like that also falls on me. And then having to also be the liaison between the people I'm bringing down and the university if anything goes wrong, which, you know, that's, that's bound to happen. We've had some issues. So just being able to deal as a middleman with all of these people at once has been something I never thought I'd have to do, but I think it's going to be really helpful going forward because if I'm ever going to be leading even just a small team or, or doing something where I have to go between departments, like I've already managed to do this as like one person. So I feel like those kind of things moving forward are really helpful in general if you're doing any sort of project. Did you ever involve others in the planning process or kind of this, or is it purely just your thing that you're doing? Yeah, so I think... Um, so the way that the program is structured, it is a branch of my acapella group because of the way that like financing works at the university. And for sure, like my acapella group definitely helps like get the word out and I'll send them things to distribute. And so they're really good at helping me just kind of like mass market the program to get it out to more people. Um, and I have a colleague who's helping me for next year's programming because we're working on some bigger things that I need help on. So my friend Anant Das, you know, he kind of stepped up just on his own. Otherwise, um, it's pretty much just been me, especially when it comes to like reaching out to these people. Like I am always the point of contact. I'm always the person who reaches out and keeps all of their information as well, because they're, I think being one person definitely helps when it's like, hey, can I have your address? Because I need to send you a check, things like that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely easier when it's like not an official program just to be 
kind of the face of the one person who's constantly communicating because then they know me, they have all my information, they know exactly what I'm doing. Just going back to like when you first got this idea and you knew you were going to do this and you got the funding, whatever, like, did you then kind of sit down and map out everything that you could think that you would need? Or, you know, I would love to learn more about kind of how did you plan this and how did you prepare to for your first guest? Yeah, so... So like I mentioned, the first person that I planned to bring down was Henry Gottfried. Um, And he kind of was like really helpful at spitballing some ideas back and forth with me just because he knew this was kind of going to be an experiment, if you will. Um, And I sort of did some research into like, like summer programs and master classes, just seeing like, okay, when these people are paying hundreds or thousands of dollars to go work with these people, what are they paying for? Like, what do they want to get out of this? And so I knew like the whole goal was originally just for like open dialogue per se, like sort of like a stage door kind of feel. So I knew that it would have to be my only really initial thought was just book a space for them where we can just line up some chairs, sit down and like, depending on how big of the audience, either make a circle or just kind of get a small, like a a reasonably sized room where people can literally just raise their hand and shoot off questions. The first couple of guests that I had, so like when I brought Drew, all I really did was prepare some like intro remarks that, you know, it was like 20, 25 students at a time. So it was very, very intimate and just very like you could raise your hand and ask anything and people would just be super open. Um, Drew was also very helpful on his visit, just like giving me recommendations on how to like tweak things and make it better and in a very like positive and constructive way. And I remember like one of the, one of the moments I remember very clearly at the end we finished up, everybody headed out of the room and it was just Drew and I for a couple minutes. And uh, he just like put his hands on my shoulders and was like, Kristen, breathe, you did it. It went really well, everything's great. Like, congratulations, you finished your first event. And that like, and and he had been giving me like feedback all day and I'd just be like, okay, like taking this down and being like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he'd be like, relax, like I- I'm genuinely trying to help you. Um, so him just kind of sitting there and like putting his hands on my shoulders and being like, relax, you did it. And gave me a huge hug and was like, you're going to like, I would be happy to speak highly of this program to anybody. That's when I sort of realized like the feedback that he gave me, I I very much took to heart. And then, um, you know, from there, the program started getting bigger, more and more kids showed up, we'd have 30, 40 at a time. So you couldn't really just do like a circle style Q&A anymore, especially when there's people that like, it went from like everybody who was coming were people that I knew versus now there were audience members I didn't know. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that the right questions were being asked kind of to lay the foundation. So then it started becoming the first like 45 minutes to an hour. I would just like sit up there with them either next to them or like on a little like sort of platform or something and just lay out the foundation and a general set of questions. Like just introduce yourself. Tell us about your time in XYZ show. Like tell us some fun backstage pranks and you know, like tell us about your college experience, especially because it's all college kids. Um, And so that's pretty much been the formula every time. And then the master classes, we have some awesome professors at EVA who will either come and play piano for us or hook us up with someone who will come in and and work with us. There's a lot of little things to go along, but it's a pretty standard formula. um, And it's been pretty much the same every time and it it works. So I'm not going to change it. Exactly. How long is one session, by the way? This is kind of how I lay it out when I like propose the idea to the artist. They can either come for one day like just do it all on a Saturday or Sunday, or they can kind of spread it out over two days, depending on what their schedule is. They'll come in and they'll do a Q and A session 
in an evening, whether they come in and do that on their first evening or they do it in the evening of one day. It'll be two hours, pretty much an hour and a half of Q&A between myself and then audience participation and then like 30 minutes of just like setting aside time for photos, meet and greet, individual time. And then a master class is usually two hours as well. Um, we've done, most of them have just been you know, one person getting up there working for 20 minutes with the artist and getting like six people through. Awesome. And how long in advance do you advertise to get, you know, maximum amount of people to come? So normally we'll do about two weeks, any more than that. And people kind of forget. We usually start doing it about two weeks out. Like I'll put up the event, but like four days before is when we'll like email all the clubs. We'll send it to professors, that kind of thing. Really get a push the two days before everybody like blasts their social media, which is really great of my acapella group to do that. Um, and I feel like the biggest responses that we get tend to be with the shows that have the biggest names, which makes sense because more people who aren't just musical theater lovers, like everybody likes Hamilton, everybody yes. likes Wicked. Like you just get, you just tend to get more people. Well, I love understudies and I love swings and I love ensemble. Not everybody even understands what those things are. Yep. So if you're not like, this is the lead, um, they might, you know, they may or may not show up because people don't get it. So, you know, a lot of it is like, do you want to come here from, someone who's in Les Mis and everybody's like Les Mis then they don't they don't care who he plays we found a good mix of like kind of a good timeline and then a good content variety of how to kind of get the most engagement out of our students I was just going to ask you like how do you use social media do you have some sort of strategy for yourself or is it just anything and everything and then you reach out to people as yeah well? like I, I have like a Twitter account where I follow celebrities I have my Instagram where I follow celebrities so I've always just sort of I've always been like starstruck that's what my parents would say like I've always just really been interested in like and and I wouldn't say Broadway stars are like the big big celebrities but yeah. like peop anybody to me who's like some sort of public figure I refer to as like a celebrity so yeah. like to me like Henry is a celebrity but um I made my Instagram public and I started realizing like okay wait um when I like would DM Henry or something and like, you know, or just reach out to different people in different shows that they couldn't see my profile. It was much like more mysterious. Like, who is this person? Why are they reaching out to me? Whereas putting it out there in public, there's just like another level of like, all right, like you're, you're putting your life out there. I can see you're a student. I see you go to UVA. You're like 20 year old girl. Like this is not threatening. This is not weird. I think Instagram is like my biggest platform at this point. Um, I, use it for most of our like I just post all my Broadway talks back stuff on my personal Instagram but most of the time it's just a good way for like people to see who I am and understand and especially now with like the program taking off um all the guests that come down they all follow me on Instagram I, I kind of like I, I ask them like I, I'm not ashamed to say that because it's a good way to keep in touch with them for them to see what I'm up to and then there's also a degree of legitimacy that comes with like them following me so now my Instagram is like definitely just like my own personal thing, but it's also the way that I kind of like show the program as well, like that I'm I'm the person behind it and really um, show it off through that. People are so much more willing to speak to you and talk to you, especially if you just approach them in like a very like, not even professional, but just like a nice way. Yeah. Um, like, you know, when, when I first reached out to Henry, I'd met him at stage door, but you know, he was, he was doing all the shows. He probably had absolutely no idea who I was after the show. I was just some random girl that met him at stage door. But when I was going back to see the show, 
I just messaged him like a very polite message, like, hi, I saw you a couple months ago. I don't know if you're going to be on. I understand that, you know, you're a swing. I would just love to chat with you. Like, you know, I'm just a student at UVA. I really connected with you like on acapella. I would love to chat with you. And when he responded and was like, yes, like, feel free to meet me outside like the door. Like, I was so surprised. But after getting to know him, you know, it's just kind of like they're happy to give you that time. You just have to. You, know, you just have to ask. And I was going to say, like, do you ever overthink it before you message someone? Because I definitely do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the first email, I pretty much have, like, down to a template now. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, like, copy and paste it. But it's generally, like, here's the stuff that we do. Because now I kind of know, like, all right, if they're going to decide whether they want to do this program or not, they want to know, like, how much they're going to make, what's the time frame, what's the dates. Like, that's pretty standard even when I like still like follow up with these people, if I'm asking them either to connect me with someone or just like, Hey, like I want to come see the show that you're in or something like that. Like that really like my heart will like flutter a little bit when that happens. Um, but I still definitely get like nervous. Um, I remember getting the first time I ever jumped on the phone with any of these guys, I jumped on the phone with Drew Galing before like about a week before his visit. And I just like, I'd been in his dressing room, we'd done an interview, but it was just the like, like weirdness of being like, I'm, I'm jumping on the phone with Drew Galing and I have to text him like, hey, this is Kristen Kelly, this is my number, feel free to give me a call. And on the inside, I'm like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. What if he doesn't want to call me? What if he doesn't want to like come down anymore? So it, the nerves are still very much there because I'm still a big fan of all of these people for sure. And I was going to say, like, what do you think is kind of the best way to earn someone's respect? Again, I, I keep going back to Henry, but I think that was the most organic, like, way that all of this kind of happened. Because once I got his respect, having his respect kind of got me everybody else's respect. It's very easy yeah. once once he jumped on board. But with him, it was very much like I had to kind of shift my mentality of being like, I'm, like, your biggest fan. And, like, I, I love you so much to more of uh, this is a person, but I have, like, he's incredibly talented. I respect him so much. He's so kind it was one of those where when I would chat with him, um, it wasn't just a like, tell me about your life. What's your next project? What are you doing? It became a very like, how's it going? And I know you've been doing this. And then he'd turn around and be like, okay, great. So like, how's UVA going? How's your semester? When do you go back to school? Like just engaging in regular conversations with these people is what they're looking for. Like they don't want you to just go up to them and, and shove a playbill in their face and be like, I'm your biggest fan and tell me everything about your life. A, they don't owe you, they don't owe you anything to tell you about their lives, but B, they want to know who you are too. Like they don't want you to just be this random face. And what are kind of some of the most memorable things that you would say you've learned about this industry or kind of a realization that you've had through having those conversations with them? I particularly try to bring down people who have some sort of diverse perspective, whether that be like people of color on Broadway or LGBT and, and not everybody fits into those categories. Like we brought down just, you know, like, actors who just fit in, in not kind of categories. But so we've had some really interesting dialogues about like, having the first black Billy Bigelow in Carousel. And that was a really interesting dialogue. We had a great conversation about like, how they casted the Hamilton tour, because everybody was incredibly tall. And apparently, you know, height is a huge deal in theater. And so they had to cast the entire cast a certain way, things like that, that I didn't really know existed especially never having been in a show or a production myself what has been the hardest aspect of this would you say that's that's a really tough question because 
in the end, it's always, it always works out. It's always a great program. Like I can't sit here and say that there's been any, any bad programmer programming or anything that's gone wrong. I think one of the hardest things is just managing the expectations of everyone in the situation in terms of between like how much interaction are they going to get with the students? Like, are we going to do lunches with them? Are they going to come in and do just the like two hours here, the two hours there, and they don't want to be involved anymore? Or is it going to be someone who comes down and is like, I want to come to your acapella party? Like um, figuring out exactly what each guest wants to get out of the program. It's not something that's particularly like, it doesn't put a strain, but it's sort of like you have to read between the lines of every single one of these people and kind of figure out like, do they want to feel like a student for a day or do they want to minimize, you know, that aspect and just be like a professional in Charlottesville who's coming on a professional visit. Um, And it's very, that's not something you can just outwardly ask. Like, do you want to be like really involved with us or do you just want to do what you signed up for? But is it something that you do pick up inevitably? And is it something that becomes part of you? Definitely. And it's one of those things where, I at first I was trying to gauge that like maybe before they would come and like really schedule out their day for them and figure it out. But sort of as I got more and more people down and and I do give them a schedule to a degree, like you have a break here for dinner, whether you want to like, we can set up a student dinner or you can eat dinner yourself, like those kind of options. But it's better to just gauge when they come down be like, all right, we have this window of time that you need to be doing this. And this window of time, I have 17 different things you can do in this window of time feel free to let me know if you want to do one of them, 17 of them, or zero of them. How do you cope with nerves before interviewing someone? Because it's one thing kind of liaising with them, you know, just over text or whatever, even calling them or whatever, just bringing them over. But once you you are on that stage or like in, in the center of that room and talking to them and asking those questions, like how do you cope with, with that whole process? I honestly get more nervous to meet the person, like whether I'm picking them up at the airport or meeting them at their hotel, because that's the one-on-one situation. And especially when it's a guest I've never met before, like, don't get me wrong. When, when Drew was here, when Henry was here and I I went to um, like, so I, I met Drew, he like just came to grounds and I just saw him on grounds and I kind of like had to take a step back and just like breathe for a second and be like, all right, Drew Galing is about to walk up to you. (laughs) Relax. Um, or like I picked Henry up at the airport and it was like, I'm literally in the car, like, oh my God, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Like it's just Henry. But once I like start getting the initial conversation rolling, then I can already kind of just tell their vibe, tell like if how open they are, what kind of things maybe like they'd want to talk about. And then from there, usually they'll just be like, yeah, so like what, you know, what are we going to talk about tonight? Then I actually don't get nervous anymore. If you research them enough too, like that's also a fine line of like, I have to know as much as possible about them without also being like, I know everything about you. In terms of skills that you need to have to, to take on a project like this, I know from my experience, like you have to have good time management, you have to be able to, to talk to all sorts of people, you have to be able to problem solve all of that. What are some of the, the kind of life skills that people should have if they want to do something similar to what you're doing? I think communication is key. Skill number one, whether that is, you know, crafting the very, very important first email or DM, whatever way of contact, especially understanding that even if you're DMing them on Instagram or Twitter, still needs to be professional, still needs to lay out all the information and also understanding in your communication what needs to be said. 
because when I was first, you know, reaching out and putting together like the idea of my like Skype, just like a Skype day, a lot of the questions I got back were like, okay, great. So when do you want this to happen? Like, are we talking like next week? Are we talking two months from now? You know, like, and you know, I have two show days on Saturday. Do you know that? Like, things that like I knew and in my head I perfectly think that they're going to understand exactly what I'm saying but they don't I think if you want to run a program where you're going to be reaching out to people whose time is limited and is worth something you have to communicate very well and efficiently Um, and I also think being able to be demonstrate that you're going to be responsible with money and that you know the value of a dollar because the limited there's all there's limited funds across the whole university of how much can a go to arts b how much can discretionarily go to student arts programs and then there's you know beyond that there's 500 people who want money for programming so understanding that you know someone who is asking for ten thousand dollars maybe you know that might just be unattainable when i can probably go to the next person who may or may not be choice number one like you literally don't know and say you know what? I have $4,000. I don't have 10,000. I have mm-hmm. interest from a lot of people. I want you, but you know, I, I can't do 10,000 and having to understand when to let things go um, is really important too, because if you get your heart set on for me, like if I have my heart set on a guest and they just won't meet me in the middle in terms of the price, then like they're not coming. But do you think someone who perhaps doesn't have the funding available or has very limited funding, and by that I mean very limited, like no opportunity to really bring someone over, do you think it's still a viable idea? I think definitely like a a virtual programming is absolutely viable, especially like even if the person wants like some sort of fee, like, you know, they may even be willing to do it for 50 or $100, just something that you know, and that, again, that might be like a manager thing in terms of like, they need to be compensated for their time because of the way their contracts are written. There is, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about how that works, but I think it's always, you can always reach out to these people and have this idea. I would love to chat with you about it. And you'll know right away, because if they're even just interested in the first place, then you can kind of work with them and meet them somewhere. Like, can you Skype in for a half hour and just answer a couple questions? Can you do a YouTube question and answer session? Like, with Mandy Gonzalez, it was one of those things where she's like, due to my contract, I'm not allowed to do a virtual live event that like would fit in this time frame. I cannot do that for contractual reasons. But her her response was just, but I'm happy to answer questions. If you email them to me, I will have my assistant record me answering the questions. You can absolutely brand it for your program, no charge, nothing. So like, even that, I got a 10 minute Q&A, but it's Mandy Gonzalez. It wasn't, you know, what I asked but it was something so just being willing to even say hi can you you know would you be interested in this they might meet you in the middle and make it happen what were some of the things or skills that you didn't think initially that you would ever need to have for this or like that you would need to learn or pick up in order to continue doing this you know people always joke about like oh millennials are always on social media and social media is destroying our lives and all of the negative rhetoric and and of course there are negative aspects of social media but Social media is the way that I connected with these actors, the way that I found these actors, the way that I've promoted the program and been able to make it legitimate and successful. And so, you know, as a student who's like a 20 year old female and people are like, oh, like, you know, girls always take their Instagrams too seriously. Well, if I didn't take my Instagram seriously and present myself in the way that I try to, then like this program probably would never be at the degree that it is already. 
Um, and so I think social media has actually been like the key skill. There's no, especially when I'm not dealing with managers and things, the only direct line of communication I have with these people is also social media. So being able to understand when to use social media as like a professional platform, when to, what to post and what not to post from a personal perspective and from the program's perspective. Um, and also meeting in the middle with the artists in terms of, do they want things recorded or not? Do they want this posted or not? Um, there's a whole, you know, gray area of like, can they post anything if their show is involved? Can they post, am I allowed to tag them in this? Like all this kind of stuff that I have to like balance. And it all comes down to what social media does. And are you, are you allowed to tag them and post them? We do not videotape or audio tape any of our Q and A sessions or masterclasses. Um, some artists are willing, like we've had guests say like, that's absolutely fine if you want to, um, and, you know, sometimes they'll be like, I'm fine with someone taking a video just for themselves, but they have to promise not to post. Partly because, especially if they're in a show that's currently running, there's all these rules about, like, what you can and can't post um, in terms of, like, costumes and backstage secrets and things like that, that they may or may not be willing to tell us in person, but you, you can't post that. What's, because obviously you've facilitated so many conversations with them and you've had these personal connections with them. What is kind of the one best piece of advice that you can recall that you've gotten from from any of these performers or just anybody else in the business I think it wasn't more it wasn't a piece of advice but it was more of kind of a word of encouragement and that was from uh Ryan Vasquez he he was kind of just asking me more about like how'd you found found the program like I know you love Hamilton tell me about that and we had a great conversation about like life and stuff in general and then he said oh I by your fourth year you know, you're going to be asked, you're going to have like Jesse Mueller and all the people that, you know, all these like people that you just love, like they're going to be just a step away. Like you're just going to be able to ask. And my immediate response was like, oh, absolutely not. That would be hilarious. Like, you know, having someone of that caliber come, like even just be interested, like that's never going to happen. But he was like, no, like, don't, don't doubt yourself. Like if this, like what you're doing here is really special. And I think in two years, like you can be pulling these types of people and you shouldn't doubt yourself and you should like if you love these people and you really want it to happen like it seems like you can make it happen and so I've kind of just kept that in the back of my mind and so like going forward for the programming over the next year like most likely in September we will be having Lindsay Mendez come Amazing. to that's incredible. Um, assuming all goes well and, and we're in talks with some other people as well when I when I got that confirmation with her and we were able to work it out that was when like what Ryan had said had been nagging in my head for the whole time since his visit last April. And now I'm sitting here and going, wow, like what he said is like coming true. Like, and then always like Henry's always constant positive encouragement of like, what you're doing is so great. Like, this is, this is amazing. Like, you know, great to see what's happened to your program over like from me being your very first booked guest to like what's happening now. Like you should be really proud of that. I'm just, I'm oh, also very excited to see where Henry goes in life. Cause I think he's, fucking incredible so i know i saw him um three weeks ago when i went to see waitress we were chatting for a while and uh we he and i are working very closely to get him back to uva as sort of like a you know first like first real guest to like final guest kind of like to bring him back so yeah. hopefully hopefully he will be back and stuff but um i'm sure you will see content of us over the summer while I'm in New York, because we'll both be there. Yay, so. Henry and also, he says hello. 
Um, I texted him about this. He says hello and Did he, he thinks it's great what you're doing. Oh, amazing. Yes, I was he was actually gonna try to FaceTime in just to say hello, but he actually is in a class um because it's American time. He's yeah, a, yeah, he's yeah, in a thing. But he says hello. He's he just is that good of a person and so yeah. I'm I would love for you to get him on your podcast to kinda give his story so i'll give you a good i'll throw in a good word i'll send him a text (laughs) now i was gonna say yeah i feel like i'm more confident about it now than i would have been years ago but it's still a bit like ooh, putting yourself out there and like not knowing like how that's going to be received and all of that did you ever have that feeling with you know obviously btb and like how are people going to perceive this not take it seriously oh 100 percent. i was worried people weren't going to show up i was worried it just wasn't going to be something that people wanted to see or hear. And then I was worried that, you know, if, you know, five people show up, like that's so embarrassing for the artist. So it's not just embarrassing for me. Like they're going to think that nobody cares. And so there was a whole lot of nerves and embarrassment. And and I still get that feeling every time. Like, is there going to be five people here? Is there going to be 10? Is there going to be 20? Is there going to be 30? Is someone going to ask an inappropriate question that I'm just going to have to like, like diffuse, yield that away. Like, yeah, diffuse the situation or something like, there's always that sort of like is it going to be received well the good thing that you mentioned that i just want to like highlight over and over again is that it is doable and there's like creative solutions to everything and as long as you want to do it and even as long as you have an idea because everything starts with an idea like you can find a million ways to make it happen and i think it all goes back to social media as you mentioned and all of that like it only takes you know a couple of things that you need to do to, to be able to really lift it off the ground. Like, it's not that difficult, actually, once you start, like, planning and thinking about thinking about it. Yeah, if you have, if you can just put a plan in place and then put yourself out there, you know, knowing that it might not take off and it might be the most successful thing you've ever done and you kind of have no idea how it's going to go, then you, you just have to go for it. We ha- if you have the capabilities and the resources, there's no reason not to try. So, but how do you keep yourself focused on your like day-to-day tasks and classes when you have this amazing project kind of in the, at the back of your mind, like all the time? Like, do you think about it often or have you found a way to switch between like your daily life and your BTB? At first it was really hard. And like the day before kind of the week of, it's like my mind tends to be more on that. Um, It's gotten, you know, it's just kind of normalized out in my mind now. Like it's not just like, as like I'm freaking out and I'm so excited but like you know you can freak out day of plan and just like kind of mentally just get yourself ready for the weekend before it happens and then like once it starts happening then I'm kind of like okay nothing else is on my mind I have no other responsibilities except for this do you think creating Broadway Talks Back has changed you as a person or kind of made you think about your own career or life a little differently oh 110 percent um the first thing I would say is it definitely has just changed my perspective on like, can, can all of these crazy ideas that, you know, you just like randomly pop up in your head sometimes like, you know, oh, they're not valid or you can't do that. Like, it's definitely changed my perspective in terms of, you know what, like, whatever you're thinking, like, maybe you can make it happen. Just give it at least like, you know, a valid actual consideration. So I just kind of think I give myself more legitimacy when I'm thinking of, you know, things I might want to do or whatever. And then in terms of like down the line for my career, like I've always known I've wanted to be involved in the arts, but I didn't know how. And so this is something to me where like, and, and I say down the line because I'm very happy with what I'm doing right now in sales and trading, but um, 
you know, something like maybe I do want to become a manager. Maybe I want to try to make Broadway talk back, like become some sort of like liaison between universities and artists like this that may not get these opportunities unless somebody suggests them. Um, so I think it's definitely just given me more things to think about and, you know, give it really like let myself like love it without being shamed or embarrassed or even just like hesitant about it. Like I have zero hesitation anymore because I can be like, I love waitress and I've seen it 10 times. And then people go, why have you seen it 10 times? And I go, well, three times I went and saw it because I knew this person. And then this time I went and saw it because Henry was Dr. Palmer. Like, you know, at, at this point anymore, it's just, it's, it's my life and this is how I want to live it. So I'm just doing what I can in the moment. <laughs>